From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, Tribeca, my hometown, the greatest city on the planet. This is the conversation with Tommy Weber. I am Tommy Weber. So excited about this show today. We're going to exclude the rant that I usually get into. I can. Uh, A lot of stuff that I could be talking about, but instead I want to dedicate it exclusively to two very special people that mean a great deal to me. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, this coaching gig. And uh, as you all know, uh, this summer was a really, really special summer for me uh, personally and and for everyone uh, in Brewster. And then my two guests today uh, had as much to do with us uh, summiting that mountain uh, this August and wearing these great rings that you could see uh, I've got on today, as anyone did. Aside from being terrific players, they're also great people. I've been around a lot of kids and, you know, a lot of student athletes in my life. And uh, these two guys really rate at the very top. Um, This weekend, we'll kick off the SEC conference play, and the Georgia Bulldogs will travel to Tuscaloosa to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. And my two guests are going to be a part of that weekend. Um, It's every kid's, every high school player's dream is to play in the SEC. It's the gold standard for college baseball in America. Tony Losey is a sophomore pitcher at Georgia, outstanding guy, big, hard-throwing, right-handed pitcher with a very, very bright future, was a a huge part of our uh, championship run, and I felt at times like Tony was attached to me at the hip because when he wasn't pitching, he was always planted right next to me in the dugout. He's got an incredibly high baseball IQ, and I learned a great deal uh, sitting and standing next to him uh, throughout the season. We had a really uh, a really a blast. CT, Chandler Taylor, uh, outstanding player, outfielder at Alabama. Both of these guys have very bright futures. CT and I got very close because uh, probably of all the players this year, uh, he put as much time in in early work uh, as anybody did. No matter how early we were at the ballpark, no matter how many games we had played in a row, CT just couldn't get enough, and that was a harbinger of very good things to come. I think both of these guys are going to have long, prolific professional careers. Good morning, boys. How's it going, Tommy? It's going great. It's going great. It's a little snowy here in New York City, so I'm kind of envious of the fact that you're a thousand miles south, but uh, having you guys on means a great deal to me. Um, Talk to me, CT. First of all, it's You'll be my leadoff hitter. You know, I mentioned that playing in the SEC is a dream of just about every high school player. Was that your dream? And how did you get from, say, you know, a 13-year-old freshman in high school to the University of Alabama? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it was it was a dream ever since I realized that I probably had the ability to play in college. Um, you know, I've, I've been an Alabama fan, you know, growing up and, and Alabama has always been my dream school, but but second to that, playing in the SEC, you're playing against the best amateur players in the country. So passing up that opportunity is near impossible. Great, great. Tilo, what about you, babe? You know, CT hit the nail on the head right there. And I've been a Georgia Bulldogs fan my whole life growing up, of course, watching Georgia football. And just when I, when I felt that I was ready enough, when I was I had to get better myself just to be able to play in college. When the opportunity opened, the Georgia offered me. I had to take it. Tilo, when did you commit to Georgia? I committed to Georgia my senior year after I turned down the draft. Okay. So when did Georgia first show that they were interested in you? 
They showed their interest in me in tenth grade. Okay. And that I was, I'd never get an offer. So were you kind of play? Were they kind of playing a cat and mouse game with you to see how well what you were going to do in the draft, and you kind of doing the same thing with them? Yes, sir. Uh, CT, what about you, babe? Uh, I committed to Alabama the May after my sophomore season in high school, so I- pretty early, and uh, actually got recruited pretty heavily after that um, because I never. Um, played a bunch of summer ball until um, after that point in my career. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it went for me. Well, I find it, you know, I, I think really outstanding players at a very high level had a lot have a lot of humility, and you two guys are no exception. And here's why I say that: it's interesting that you both mentioned at the outset. I wanted to make sure I could even play college baseball, where most kids who probably can't play college baseball think they can go to the major leagues. You two guys who, knock on wood, could very likely be playing in the major leagues didn't even know that you were ready to play college ball. I find that really interesting. CT, speak to that a little bit. You know, um, from an early age, probably about 10 or 11, I've known how to, how to really work on the game, work on my craft. But um, knowing whether I was good enough to play at the next level was kind of a question mark for me because... Until I was in 10th grade, I wasn't really the best player on my high school team. Wow. So that's kind of where I was early in my career. Now, Tilo, I know that wasn't the case with you because you were like a badass shortstop as a, as a kid. Because I, I, got, I, got I got a look at some of those skills this year when I hit you some fungos. Tell me, tell me what, your, what was it like for you? Like why, why was it that you were unsure about your uh, ability to play in college? Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, first off, I always threw hard, so that wasn't an issue if anybody liked velocity, but the problem was throwing three pitches for a strike it. Mm-hmm. At any time, especially at the level of SEC players, I mean, that's actually really hard to do, and that's the only way to get great hitters out in college. But Even still for you, that's pretty hard, huh, Tilo? Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> and, and guess, boom. <laughs> Game on. As Apollo Creed says at the end of Rocky, ding, ding. Just what I wanted. Just what I wanted. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about this weekend. First of all, it's, it's been a long time since I spoke to both of you. It's like 48 hours since I spoke to both of you where we discussed your respective uh, early going uh, this year. Um, and and l- let, me, let me tell you this. As a guy who's not only, I guess, your coach, I hate even using that word, but as, as a friend, uh, the most gratifying part about being involved with players at this level and, and people of your character is the ongoing relationship that we have. And it really means a lot to me when we have those great discussions. So uh, keep them coming. I'm always here for you. Let's talk about this weekend. It's the first of many. You both have ball clubs that have gotten off to very good start. CT, what, what do you? How do you see this weekend going? What do you? What do you like? What don't you like? Uh, where are you guys? You know, our depth on the mound right now is questionable, but our offense is we're we're kind of clicking on all cylinders right now. I think we're averaging about eight and a half or nine runs a game, and um, you know, I think it for us what I've seen uh, out of uh, you know those guys it's it's going to be strength versus strength because I. I think they got some depth on the mound, some depth in the bullpen that that could probably give us trouble this weekend if we don't if we don't come out and, and give our best effort all three games. And uh, I believe it's going to take you know three complete team efforts to, to to beat those guys just to win the series. 
Tila, what do you think, babe? Yeah, same thing. I mean, it's always tough on the road. We're going into Alabama. They're going to have 5,000 fans screaming at us. It's our first SEC opener. The problem with us, I mean, we have a lot of depth, like you said, in the bullpen. We just got to play clean baseball. We got to make the plays. We got to make the routine plays. We got to get out. And we're starting two freshmen on the mound, which isn't – I mean, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, but we got two freshmen going to SEC play. They don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. We have a right-hander on Saturday and a left-hander on Sunday. You know, that plays a big role. Experience really – this summer really helped me out with experience. Yeah, you pitched and in some really big spots. Really like. You pitched in some really big spots in the summer, and I and 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 again, I think you're a really high IQ guy. You take instruction, and 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 I think when you see stuff, you process it in a very very deep way that most guys don't. So just hang in there. I think you're going to have a fabulous year. Let me speak to how bad does it get in Tuscaloosa, Tilo? Like like is it does it get really personal with the fans? I mean, it's a lot of people. Uh, how bad do those guys get on you? I mean, it's. It's Alabama, you know. It's a Division One school. It's a it's a high end school. I mean, they're going to be packed house in the new stadium, SEC opener at the new stadium, and that's going to be awesome to see. I mean, I really don't know. I haven't played there yet, but I just know every SEC school has their group of people. So, CT, maybe you're a better one to answer the question. How bad will it get? Ah, uh, man. You know, I think uh, I think Tilo and the boys kind of kind of have a nice draw. It's uh, it's spring break here, and you know, it may be a little lighter crowd, but but the ones that are there, then they're going to be giving them hell from from the from the first pitch. You know, the the guys in the outfield that that are away from all the all the children, that's where it gets brutal. <laughs> uh, where they don't necessarily have to yell at you, but but they're talking loud enough uh, for you to hear. Right, you know, that's it, that's where it, guys' mothers it, it start to get involved, man. Yeah, I got and, you. Uh, I know. You know. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey guys, I want it's you to li- I want you to take take two minutes, two two seconds, and listen to this. I live through the windup and the pitch. This one hit on the ground towards short, fielded by Graffinino. Throw on to first in time. Now and forever, the Brewster Whitecaps are kings of the Cape in 2017. The Brewster Whitecaps defeat the Bourne Braves and win their first Cape League championship <laughs> since 2000. Can you believe it? The little. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> CT, what did that make you? Aiden what what was, was the first classic. thing? <laughs> How great is he? How great is Aiden? You know, I just had him on. I just had him on. He's a class act. How great is that? Really? What, what, did, what was your first thought or man, feeling when you heard that? Man, it, it, it sends chills down my spine right? still. Right, um, still. You know, I, I still remember watching him grass field the ground ball, and I, I remember begging him, you know, don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> then when we catch the ball at first base, when Jules catches the ball at first base, man, it was it was a madhouse. It really um, was. That it still gives me chills. It was it was the best summer of my life. That's great. T Lo, what about you, babe? Yeah, no doubt. They gave me chills right there. But you know, when they hit the grass, you know, hit I knew they hit it to the wrong guy. I knew it was ball game. We had it we had it all then. But uh yeah, man, I mean I can't wait to get back this summer. You know, I was fortunate enough to play as a freshman last year, able to come back as a sophomore and ready to win another one. Yeah, well, uh, it's going to be great. It was great, and, um, you know, I, I I, still, you know, Marty's catch. And, you know, I said one thing that I um, I thought, and CT, you could weigh in on this. Uh, actually, Tilo and I were talking about this during that run, is that it's ironic that uh, a guy who's known for his power and his bat. Really, I thought your two biggest contributions. Well, your three biggest contributions. One was getting hit in the foot with a ball with the bases loaded. All right, good thing you have big shoes. Yeah, my only hit by pitch all summer. 
<laughs> wins us the first game. But I thought your your in that game after we had coughed up the lead, your throw to uh, Mickey Gasper who makes a fabulous play at the plate to keep the runner from scoring and them taking the lead. And I didn't I didn't think we could rebound if we relinquished the lead at that point. And your catch in the third game with second and third and two outs, that diving play, aside from Marty's catch and the overall defense that was so outstanding throughout you know, the whole series, I thought that those were two of the most significant plays. And it's kind of ironic that a guy who's known for the big bat makes such a huge contribution with your glove. Talk to that. Well, uh, first I would like to say, you know, with Tilo and Bishop and Malfetta coming back this summer, you know, I looked up the Vegas odds, and and the Whitecaps, you know, are heavy favorites to win the, right, win the take it again. Take summer, it easy. So. We don't need the pressure. Um, Relax. <laughs> the uh, no, no pressure, no pressure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, I, I I believe that, you know, if if I couldn't help my team at the plate, which it was no secret that I was in a bad stretch. I was struggling with the bat you know, um, really struggling to, to stay focused offensively, almost like, almost as if I was taking myself out of the game. Mm -hmm. But when I went to play defense, it was a whole nother level of, of being locked in. And that was because I knew that that was the only thing I was bringing to the team to help win at that point. And I think that, you know, young players get, caught up in in stats so much that when their offensive stats are you know are taking a, a downturn they focus so much on the bad that's going offensively that they forget to play the other side of the game they forget to play on the other side of the ball and contrary to popular belief making great defensive plays can get you out of an offensive slump in a heartbeat, just as quick as making a mechanical adjustment. And, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in that. And that's, you know, that's kind of why being locked in on defense that entire series was, was my number one goal. Well, that's really inside stuff. And, and, and the twittiots, as they call them, these guys on Twitter who think they're experts and that the game is a mathematical equation and that you could just make a mechanical adjustment and hit 400 with 40 homers should listen to that. That's a, that's yeah, a really – Yep. I know it, man. That's that's a really insightful insightful statement. Tilo, let me ask you a question. We spent the entire year basically, you know, attached at the hip in that dugout, man. I learned an awful lot from you. Give me some of the insights. Uh, what's your you? I, I mean, I I know what your philosophy is, but what is it? Why are you such an uh, ardent digester of information? I mean, you, your, your focus and uh, your ability to concentrate on what's important is really off the charts. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like CT said, get caught in results. And also results is great. Results gives you confidence. And what CT said was awesome about the outfield place. I think it does give his confidence. It gets pitchers confidence when defense makes great outs like that. But I'm always locked into every game, whether it's my high school game, summer ball or college, I'm right beside the coaches. I want to hear everything they say. I want to see everything in my own eyes and process it my way and see what they say about it because they are the coach and they've been through it. And I just know how hard it is to make it to the next level and how hard it is to do the things that players do. I mean, it's unreal how good players are now. And if I can watch so another pitcher on a Friday night when we go to Alabama, I'll be right there on the rail watching that guy. See, if I can learn something from him, the better myself. 
and that's just my point. But I try to do no matter summer ball, high school ball, anywhere I go to watch anybody. I watch what they do and see if I can do it better myself. You know, when I work with uh, young people up here, especially in the wintertime, you know, we're relegated to being indoors. I I find myself always drawing on the experience uh, of my former players, especially, you know, the stuff that's fresh in my mind from 2017. And that's one of the things I constantly tell people is to try to be a first-person processor of the information. I think far too much guys are asking other guys what they think. What does he have? What has he got? And... That's fine. That's good information, but that's not in the first person. And the best person to ask what a pitcher has is you, because if you're watching, I think that you can glean what a guy has, and then you could kind of own it. Otherwise, every single time you're going up to the plate, you're relying on somebody else's opinion and biases to tell you what a pitcher has. CT, speak to that. You know, I think that goes hand in hand, Tommy, with, with what I call anticipating the game. Like, like you and I talked about a lot this summer, the mental lean. If, you, if you're able to anticipate what's going to happen every pitch, you know, every out, every time the situation changes, if your mentality changes along with it and you are able to anticipate what might be coming next, you might not be right, but 60% of the time. But right. that 60% of the time, you're playing as if the game has already happened. Wow, that's great. I love and that. And you're just – you're just reacting to it. And, you know, people, people rely too much on what they see. And, you know, for, for a guy like me who relies heavy on the, my skills with the bat, I take a lot of pride in just, just being able to anticipate what I'm going to see when I get in the box. And then, you know, that 50 or 60% of the time that I'm right, it, it, it's already happened to me. So it's nothing new. It's you know, I've already seen that happen. Yep. So, so there it is. Yep. You know, it's, I just have to go react to it. And just for clarification, the mental lean that Chandler's talking about is where you're not doing anything physically, but mentally, maybe you're leaning a little bit, you know, left, or you're leaning a little bit in, so that you have that little bit of a jump psychologically and mentally, which always translates into the physical. That's speak on that. Absolutely. Go ahead. It's your show, guys. I feel like players, if they got if they got seventy percent of the stuff, they focus on the thirty percent they don't have more than the seventy percent they do have. So if I'm feeling seventy percent today, I should focus on the seventy percent I have. That's better than what they're hundred. If they're hundred percent, not the thirty percent I don't have, in everything I do. Because when we get caught up in the thirty percent we don't have, that's when things get blown out of proportion and ways, and that's how stuff gets bad. So why do you think why do you think the modern player, the twenty first century player, is so caught up in the technical, okay, and the mechanical as opposed to, if you will, the kind of holistic player? What why why do you think that is that your generation I mean I think I know why, but I'd I'd much rather hear it from guys who are playing in this generation because I think it speaks to something that's missing. And uh, I w- I'd love to hear your input on why that is. I think it's the, I think it's the norm. I mean, the normal for players and coaches is just to point fingers and say, you know, well, you wasn't on today or you wasn't doing this or you didn't do that. Instead of them just focusing on themselves and focusing on the 7% they do have, not the 30 they don't. Right. And it's just – it goes back to today's generation. That's the only way I can put it. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, because I think Tilo makes a re- – Go ahead. I think Tilo makes a really good point when, you know, he's, he's saying 
basically focus on your strengths. You know, from day to day as a player, your strengths and weaknesses are going to change. And if every day you come to the ballpark and you take five to ten minutes to to realize, hey, this is what I'm doing well today. I'm this is what I'm going to do. You know, this is what I'm going to focus on. More more times than not, you're going to have a good day. But I think, Tommy, to answer your question, I, I think that results drive our game. And, you know, that's never going to change. But at the same time, you have to define to yourself what success is. So every day I go to the ballpark, I have to tell myself, all right, what am I going to consider success today? What am I going to do today that the result means I did my job to perfection today. And I don't think players do that enough. I think they worry about how many hits they got, right. you know, how many times they're striking out compared to how many times they're walking, right. you know, things, things that are measurable, measurable. And, and I believe that if, if I were to go into BP today and say, all right, I'm going to hit six, one hop ground balls to the shortstop. If I hit seven, I'm having a great day already before we even start the game. Wow. That's really cool, man. I love that. I love that. Tilo, give me a couple of instances that stand out in your mind over the summer, whether it would be whether it be a conversation, a game, a play, that I I would say, wow, I didn't think you would think about that, or I wouldn't think you would remember that. What what'd you take from it? What what was something that you would you found really uh stood out for you in two thousand seventeen? A joke. Um, <laughs> something stupid I said in the dugout. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know it's right before we took our picture. We were at, we were playing YD. After I pitched the first game at YD, me and you were standing there, you were hitting fungos, and I was catching up for you. And, uh, man, I can't even remember what it was. I know we were cracking up laughing, and we even took a picture right after. That's right. I've got that picture on my website. That picture's on my website. I got it right here on my wall. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. All right, we'll let you I off the hook. We'll let you summer. off the hook. So let me. I'm going to give you a hypothetical, okay? You ready, guys? Because I know this never happens. Yeah, let's do it. I know this never happens, all right? I want to make that clear. I know it's never been done, and it, 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 it literally does not exist. But let's say you were gonna, I was going to make you play a poker game with me, right? And you <laughs> had to pick one guy you wanted on your poker team and one guy you wanted to make sure was on another poker team. So who would you want <laughs> on your poker playing team and who's the one? Who's the one fish that you would want on the opposite team? Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and Joe Molitier has to be on the other team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree. I, I mean, agree. hypothetically, right, CT? Um, so hey, so hypothetically, Tilo are on the same team, or me and Tilo have to pick different teams. No, you can pick anybody you want on your team. Who do you want? Oh man! Uh, or do you want to go it alone against the I'm field? No, no. I'm gonna have to go with uh, oddball here. Oddball here. I'm gonna have to go with Zach Schneider, just because the kid doesn't care about losing. So, so his tells would be. Oh, that's the most dangerous guy. That's the most dangerous guy, right? The guy who's got nothing yeah. to lose is the guy you got to watch out for. Tilo, who do you got? Who do you got he, on your team? I would say Christian Malfetta. Yeah, there you go. That's a good that's one. A good pick. That's a good one. He's, he, you know what though? I wouldn't take him on my team. He's too good looking. I hate that. I'd have to like, I'd have to like break his nose or something to make him less good looking. 
<laughs> and who would you want to make sure is on, who are we unanimous here that Joe Molitor is the guy you want on the other team? Is that a unanimous? <laughs> Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Really? Disaster. Absolute disaster. Well, it's, it, it, there's too much anxiety there. Right, right. Way too much. Yeah, he's a psychiatrist's dream come true. There's no question about it. No question about it. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. What <laughs> What did you love about Brewster? <laughs> wow, Tommy, you're going to do this stuff. <laughs> You're gonna do I'll, this stuff? I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. CeeLo, you got it. Go ahead. Um, the one thing I really love is like my host family was great. They always fed me good. They made sure I was up in time. Mm-hmm. So I did that on my own. But my host family was good. And um, you know, I had a job in Brewster that really taught me a lot. That was actually my first actual job. I was from I was working from seven in the morning to twelve in the evening. I was I was running from my house, which is two miles from the field. I was running from my house to the field every day before early work and I was there when the hit was there and one thing I really love is even a pitcher not having to be there was being there early every day and watching the hitters put in the work and, and see us to see at the end was getting the win and the first one ever and just watch our hitters every day no matter we was in a slump no matter if they were hot you know we was on a losing streak our hitters were still there every day yep. putting in the work and that makes me happy as a pitcher and that helps me pitch better knowing my guys behind me are putting in all the work Good for you. And trust in the process. Good for you. Good for you. Okay, CT, take somebody down. Let's go. What did you? What did you? What did you love? Oh, oh man, it just you know it was. Uh, I think it. I think it took us. I think it took us about a week before it. It just became a complete, just degenerate disaster. <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's or great. Kind of it's great. But, uh, it's great. What? Enough said. How about that? Enough said. I'll, 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 you know what? A good manager or coach always saves the player from himself. And I'll do that right here. Um, I, I, hey, I will say no, this. But look, it was, it was the tight net team. It was the, the team being as close as we were, you know, for, for only being together for 10 weeks. That that's yep. you know that's on another level. I agree, and I and I so saw that, that. That was my favorite part. I saw that. I've been around teams that weren't. Not every team is close. Not every team becomes a family. That's you know that's that's nonsense. Of course, that doesn't always happen, and this team certainly did. And I think one of the things that happened was, and I was very impressed by this. I must say, and I give you guys credit for for doing this. It showed me a lot. Is how you adopted Hunter Bishop, our center fielder, whose family is going through a real real difficult time. His mom. Uh, or has Alzheimer's, she's only 57 years old, and uh, I, I promote hashtag for mom uh, every day on my, on my show, and uh, I, you know, I'm wearing the bracelets, go on, buy some bracelets, uh, show some support. Uh, when, you get, when I saw you know, for mom on the back of guys' hats and on their shoes, and I was thinking to myself, but nobody ever talked about it. That's the way you support somebody. I didn't see guys going online and you know, on Facebook and all these other things and social media, you just made him know that you had his back. And no matter what happened, I just knew 2017 was different. And this was a different collection of guys. And I commend you all 
uh, for taking up that cause on his behalf. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a very sad deal. I couldn't imagine what he's going through. And I still talk to Hunter Bishop every day. He texted me last night, like, man, why do I suck in batting 240? I was like, man, do you not know how hard hitting is? Like, you're a 5 tool player. Just trust the process. You know, he'll right. be in there. And right. We talked about going back to the Cape last We talked about going back to the Cape last night and how he wants to room with me and um, and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm still keeping in contact with him. I think he's a great kid outside of that. I think he handles his mom's situation really well. Unbelievable. He don't really talk about it much. Me and him had side conversations, but um, he just he comes from a great family. His dad's great. Yep. I mean, he's a five-tool player. He's one of the best in the country, for sure. No, no question. No question. CT, you know, one of the most vivid recollections I have, uh, well, may, maybe one of the most vivid I, I've ever had in, in my baseball life was – Ninth inning, last game, Hunter, I think, was pissed off that he, he didn't get a hit, and uh, we were up 2 nothing, and, and he was kind of ticked off, and you went to the side of the dugout, I was getting a drink of water up towards the left field side, and I'll never forget, you said to him, and I, I it just caught me in that moment, I watched, you know, let's go, man, you got to strap it on for three more outs, all we need is three more outs, and I was like, Man, this is really cool to watch this. So uh, I, I, I'm sure you remember that moment and what you were thinking and the leadership that you showed in that moment showed me a lot about you. Yeah. Uh, first off, Hunter, Hunter is a is a class act kid. You know, a lot of times this summer I would I would get on to him because I'm, he's so good and he uh, he's just 18. Oh, God. You know, he, he he just acts like he's 18. Yeah, yeah, and you know he shows some immaturities in his game, which I felt like, you know, with as many questions as he asked me, you know, I knew that he confided in me, and my job wasn't to tell him like what to do, you know, physically or mechanically. My job was, uh, you know, was to tell him, hey, don't be eighteen, you know, and and right. I took. I took that very seriously. Uh, a guy like Bishop, who has been through, you know, more than 80% of the 18-year-old kids out there, yep. doesn't have to worry about m- mental toughness. No, you know, no. I, I think that's I think that's the biggest, right. you know, eyewash thing in our game is mental toughness. Thank you so I think much. Mental toughness is being able to w- being able to wake up every morning and strap it on, knowing that. My mom has early onset Alzheimer's. Absolutely, baby. Like, you how do you it. deal with that? That's that how do you is... deal with that? I don't. I, I couldn't imagine. Neither could I. And you know, the kid does it every day. The kid does it every day, and 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 um, you know, never complains about it. Ever. You know, he he never blames never blames anything that goes wrong on that. You know, I I think that's just a testament of of how good a family the Bishop family is, and and how good a guy that Hunter Bishop is you know, even at the early age of 19 years old. Yep. And, and the testament of a, of a really, you know, good team, you're right. There's a lot of eyewash. There's a lot of teams that talk about family and they use it sort of as a, as a pitch and a punchline. Uh, the real testament is after it's all said and done, uh, that you continue to care about the guys that you, uh, went at it with for so long and did something that meant so much to us. And that's, that's what we'll continue to do when it comes to Hunter. I'm sure all of us are there for him always. And I, I, I want to switch gears and play a little word association, okay? You guys ready? Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's okay. do it. <laughs> Neil Barbella. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Barbella. 
Neil Barbella. <laughs> first word that comes to mind. I know the first word that comes to mind when I say it. So, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> fungo. Okay. All right. Good fungo hitter. Hit a lot of fungos. All right. Yeah. Tilo. Oh man, beast. Beast. I like it. All right, so I'm gonna. He's my buddy, so I'm gonna not mention the fact that he stole fish from one of the supermarkets uh, during the season. I won't even mention that. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that because that would be in poor taste. Why would I do that? Right? That's not the right thing to do. All right. Um, CT, your special relationship with Jason Kanzler. You guys spent a lot of time together. Uh, tell me what Jason meant to you. What he still means to you. How that all went down and. Uh, your impressions of Jay? Jay and I, we have very similar personalities. I think that's why we were able to, to kind of form a relationship uh, pretty quickly. He, he's he's very knowledgeable. And he's very. very knowledgeable about the game. And and it's, it goes to even more than, you know, just his time in professional baseball. I think that when – he was a college player. He had just just as much baseball IQ, and you know it's it's just like what you've been saying about Philo. It's it's thinking the game on another level. Yep. Um, and I think he's always been able to do that, and that's why when you bounce questions off of him, he's able to give you high level answers. You know, no matter what it is. You know, I think that's what I respected most about Jay, and that's what kind of made me want to start approaching him and try to develop a a closer relationship more than just like a, a player coach relationship, but more of like a, a friendship because I knew that he's the guy that's been around the block. He's played professional baseball. He had a, you know, he had a good career going and, you know, just a series of bad breaks kind of yep. led him yep. to circumstances no question. or whatever, but right. he was a major league. Um, he was a major league player. Take it from me. He played for me. He was a tremendous player. As a matter of fact, Jason Kanzler, just so yeah, people know, he's the only person in the history of the NCAA to win the Gold Glove twice. The Gold Glove is the hardest award to win. Only nine guys get it. He did it twice. You know, if you want to learn how yeah, to play the I mean, outfield, that's, that's the guy. Yeah, it's sick. It's sick. I used to, I, when he played for me, it was like, you know, he had that great instinct. I say this, great defensive players have to have the nerve of a cat burglar. Jay had it. He knew when to be 30 feet from the shortstop, you know. <laughs> I'd look up, and I, why is he there? Oh, that's why, because... You know, when you run like a six two sixty, you could get back to the fence, uh, and maybe he was tremendous. So yeah, no um, doubt. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. So I was. That was really gratifying to see you guys hit it off, and I know you continue to stay in touch. That's great, Tilo. Tell me what it is that you saw in the Cape that you said I want to be. I want to be more of that, and what it is you saw in the Cape you want to be. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to ever perceive me as that as a pitcher. Yeah, just um, it's more of like watching guys and the cockiness how they handle stuff on the pressure and no nobody's more confident than me on the mound anywhere and, and I'll say that to anybody who asks I'm the most confident guy out there on the mound but the way guys handle things when things go by I don't want to be that guy and I want to be a guy that's a team guy you know I want to be a guy that no matter what going good or bad I got my team's back and they got my back well, I'll say this. I thought one of the key points in that championship series was when you challenged that center fielder from Bourne. Tr tremendous player, big guy. And I have a photo of that, of you staring him down at home plate. 
And you know what? I know people nowadays don't like that. They love the handshake and the whole collegial aspect of it. But at the end of the day, it's a competition, and you have to have boundaries. And when somebody's threatening to cross those boundaries, you've got to stand up for yourself and your teammates. And you did that, and I thought that was a big move. And I remember when you did it, I said, I like this. We are starting to take this personally. And when you start to take things personally, they mean a lot to you. And all of a sudden, you start to get desperate and victory becomes something you want even more. And I think that was a key point. It didn't have anything to do with runs scored or runs saved. But I really believe it, it spoke to something that collectively a lot of guys on that team felt. Yeah, Tommy, I mean, let, me, awesome. let, me, let me come in right here and, and, and just say something about about Tilo and myself and, and, and a, a group of other guys that we had on our team this summer. I believe that we had a, a, a nucleus of guys that other people hated to play against, but if, if we were on their team, they would love us. I love and that. I think that was kind of our group. Like, we came together, and, you know, had we known each other prior to coming to Brewster, had we played against each other, we probably would have despised each other early on. Right. But I think all those personalities just gelled together so easily. Yeah, and I think that that's why I identify it, yeah. I identify so strongly with you guys because there have been a number of guys I've either played against or coached against uh, who I hated when I was against them, and then all of a sudden they were on our club, and it was like, wow, I love this guy. <laughs> I think this guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I think I, that was our group. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think you're right. I can't tell you uh, how special this this is having you guys on. I want you guys on again. Uh, I want to wish you both, first of all, great health this season. Um, remember to worry about what's in front of you, right? Don't worry about what's behind you and what's in the future. You can't do a whole lot about. If you, obviously, you already know, whatever you need, I got your back and... Um, I can't wish no one. There might be someone rooting just as hard for you, but no one is rooting harder for your success this year uh, and in the future than I am. I love you both, and I want to thank you so much for stopping in and, and, and sharing your thoughts. It means a great deal to me. Love you, Tommy. Thanks for having us on, man. You bet. Thank you, Tommy. You bet, pal. Be well and go get them. Yes, sir. All right. See you. One thing I'd like you to take a look at, hashtag 4Mom. Braden Bishop and Hunter Bishop. Hunter played for us in the Cape this year. He's a center fielder at Arizona State. Braden Bishop is a top prospect in the Seattle Mariners organization. Established a 4Mom charity, which is a fight for awareness and against Alzheimer's as the Bishops battle uh, Alzheimer's right now. Uh, Braden and Hunter's mom is suffering from that terrible disease. So, Hunter, uh, you're never far from our thoughts and prayers. Just check it out. Go online. Say hello. Give some support. Georgia. Georgia. And we are back. How good is that? The iconic recording of the classic Georgia, Ray Charles. That voice, that great piano player. Wow. Uh, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I can't thank my guys enough. It was very insightful. You got opinions and points of view from two elite players and people. I want to thank Chandler Taylor. I want to thank Tony Losey. 
check out the SEC on the SEC network. You can watch the games. Um, every conference now has their own network. The SEC does a great job. They have some great commentators. Uh, the coverage is terrific. You could see some very, very high, the highest level baseball in the country. Uh, and cheer for our guys as I will be. We're going to wrap it up now. I am thankful to be here. And I look forward to coming back at you real soon. This is Fred and Florence's son saying thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. Uh, given more um, and expected less. Best coach uh, I've ever played for right here. <laughs> Tommy Weber is the man. It's the best coach I've ever played for. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's why it means so much to me, because when you could have relationships like that with guys, coaches, and players, there's nothing that could replace that. It's really just a magnificent feeling.